Hello, everybody, and welcome to Answers News for Wednesday, June 23rd. I'm Roger Patterson, and I'm joined today by Tim Chafee hey. and Dr. Jennifer Hall-Rivera. Mm -hmm. And we've got a wonderful studio audience with us today. You guys can make yourselves known out there. All right. We love having these big crowds in the mm -hmm. museum. Lots of people here to enjoy the show. Uh, makes it a little hard for me to get to the drinking fountain from my office, but <laughs> we'll take that any day. That's a good problem to have. <laughs> yes. It definitely yeah, is. And we especially like the crowds when we have people here from Green Bay like we saw earlier. So, yeah. Great. Go Pack right. Go. Uh, I probably shouldn't <laughs> say that on air. Huh? That's okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to uh, introduce a few things that our ministry does to help you uh, connect with some of those pieces. One of them is our women's conference, and that'll be coming up next year. Uh, 2022 theme is Rooted, Standing Firm in a Twisted World. And we've got some great speakers. Some of you uh, may know Laura Story, uh, who's a prominent singer. She's going to come and share some things. Daryl Harrison from the Just Thinking podcast. Some guy named Ken Ham, I think that's his name. <laughs> Dr. George Purdom, who heads this up. Um, I'll also be speaking on evangelism, so a great opportunity. Now, I've only been to one of these a few years ago, and I know you've been to several yes, of them. Yes, I've been to several. I just want to say it's a great opportunity for women, especially if you have Sunday school classes or ladies small groups that you can bring from your church and come together. It's just a great few days of fellowship where you get solid biblical principles and truths uh, that you can then take back with you and share with your families, and we just have a great time together. We have some amazing vendors that come as well. Uh, so highly recommend that you sign up for our Answers for Women conference. And a great chance to meet a lot of other like-minded people. I mean, yes. last year we had a, about 1,000 It was close. We had close to 1,000 registered yeah. for that event. So that was just yeah. a few months ago. All right, and we've also got a pastor's conference, one that's designed for Christian leaders that comes up in October, and that'll also be down at the Answers Center at the Ark Encounter. And we've got great speakers lined up for that as well. So if you are thinking about something maybe to do, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, some of those elders or pastors, leaders in your church who you think would benefit from something like this, this would be a great way to bless them and give them a little uh, time away, as it were, to get refreshed and, and plugged in. So great idea for you who are the congregants to be supporting your, your church leaders in that way as well. Mm -hmm. So lots of great opportunities. Uh, we continue to offer those things for people to come here to the attractions, not just to enjoy their time, and, but to really learn and grow in the faith. Speaking of interesting ideas, we've got our fluff article for today. It says, Florida City accidentally sells its water tower. Now, I've done some silly things before, but I've never accidentally sold my car or accidentally sold my house or anything like that. At least not that you're willing to admit to. <laughs> So what, what happened here was they uh, had a little plot of land next to the water tower that was for sale, and there was a little shed, and this man wanted it for a business, to operate his business on. But when we got to the closing? It was looked complicated, like he's looking at the paperwork, and it's far more extensive than just this little building that he wanted to buy. And he even mentioned it at the closing. He said, this looks a little more complicated than it should be. And they're like, oh, it's fine. I think they probably didn't want to go through all the deeds and all the information as well. And so they went ahead and sold it to him for, was it $55,000? That's what they said in the article. That's what they I don't know if that was just a made-up Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that was the actual price, but they... Uh, That's quite a steal for a whole water tower. It is. And then they <laughs> found out later the water tower... The, whole, the property that they sold to him included the, the city's water tower, so. Oops. <laughs> Thankfully, they were able to get it straightened out and everything, but yeah, it's just one of those, uh, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a warning. Don't don't trust the government with everything. Yeah, They're not always as careful probably, as you think they might be. probably not the best plan of action in most <laughs> cases. 
And uh, the gentleman was gracious about it, and he returned that portion of the property without <laughs> charging it back to the government. So a uh, very interesting story. So next time you go to buy some property from the city, maybe you could get a little extra on the side there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and our next story comes from LifeSite News. Hungary bans promotion of homosexuality, transgenderism to minors. Now, when I read this story, it was very interesting because it's basically the exact opposite of what we see going on in the United States today. Many of the uh, school districts and, and state curriculum boards and those types of organizations are commanding and demanding that sexuality and all the different uh, lifestyle and gender choices, as they term them, what we would think of as uh, sexual perversions and abnormalities, these things are being promoted in America and the curriculum say you must teach these things and parents aren't even being allowed to remove their kids from the classes when these things are happening. So what's going on in Hungary there, Tim? Well, they have actually uh, passed a, a law that they are not allowed to promote those ideologies to people under 18. And uh, that's not just in the schools, that may affect the television programs that they watch, so shows that they might watch that are coming from the United States, they may not be allowed to be played in Hungary. And it's been interesting that we were talking about a little while ago that some of these nations that used to be part of, you know, these Soviet bloc nations, and, um, like Poland as well, in many cases they're far more conservative on family issues, on these biblical values, than what the United States is. It's almost like things have flipped in the last 40 years in those areas. Um, so the, the way this is being spun by a lot of other media is it's misleading. They haven't banned homosexuality. They haven't criminalized it. They haven't, you know, people who are homosexual are not being thrown into jail or being executed. None of that's going on. Um, but there are people who are protesting this. I know there's, uh, not that I would really care much about soccer, but Roger, you'd be interested. Yes. Um, Hungary is playing Germany, I guess, today. There's a big match, and there's a whole bunch of people saying they need to turn the whole stadium rainbow-colored and everything as a protest against what Hungary is doing. And it, okay, the, the soccer players didn't do this, and what... <laughs> <laughs> All they're saying is, let's just protect our children right. at ages when they're very vulnerable and very impressionable, and let's just protect and try to not to impose these issues on them. And I you know, definitely would like to give kudos to the prime minister there, because he literally says he eliminated gender studies, he has banned same-sex adoptions, he's required disclaimers on any pro-LGBT books that may be being published, uh, and he's really trying to just protect the natural family. So it's really great to see, and I only wish we saw these kinds of things happening here in the United States. Yeah, it's almost like the, the roles have been reversed in that, yeah. in that sense. And just to clear, pro-LGBT books that are aimed at kids, right, targeting aimed at kids. At that's what, the, right. that's mm -hmm. what this rule is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. All right, next story comes from Science Daily. New discovery shows human cells can write RNA sequences into DNA. Now, this is a very uh, fascinating study. So if you think back to that biology class you had in high school, and looking around the room, for some of you, that's been a while. But uh, we, we think of this What are you saying, Raj? <laughs> There's some older folks with us today, and I, I love that. It's great. Um, I teach biology, and, and, and so I study this all the time. But it's very fascinating to think about uh, the, the central dogma is that DNA gets translated into RNA, gets translated into proteins. And that loop back from RNA to DNA doesn't happen very often. And what we're seeing here in this study is that there's an enzyme called a polymerase, and there are about 14 of these in a typical cell, and they perform functions of helping uh, the DNA get transcribed into 
other DNA and then messenger RNA. So whether the DNA is being copied or it's being turned into messenger RNA that's being sent out of the nucleus to go turn into a proteins, there's an interaction here that's happening where these polymerase molecules help check for errors in the copying of the DNA. So as we would understand this, God has put into our DNA as it's replicating, it's duplicating itself, all these different um, checks and balances to make sure that there aren't a bunch of mistakes. Because when there's a lot of mistakes in your DNA, we wind up with terrible genetic diseases and things like cancer. So that's a, that's a bad thing. So what this study has found is this very complex design that helps to take the MRA information and basically use it as kind of a spell checker to look back at the DNA. And it can even take that information and reinsert it back into the DNA uh, to, to fix those errors. So it's a very complex, fascinating structure. Which obviously as a result of evolutionary chance yeah, processes over millions processes of years, right? over time, these 14 different enzymes happen to interact in these ways. No, that's, that's silly. They, they happen to come about, first of all, mm -hmm. from nothing, and then they happen to come together at the right time in order to do these things. It, it, and it just shows good that, I mean, the immense, how much we don't know about DNA right. and RNA and how much there still is to discover. Uh, because you think about God and his infinite wisdom, we only know a fraction, right, of, what, of the potential and the understanding of DNA. Uh, so this is just, it was really interesting yeah. uh, to, to see how much more we're going to learn from that and how it's directly going to affect DNA sequencing. Yep. So as we continue to, to study these polymerase molecules and how they interact inside the cell, we could potentially be using them for different types of therapies to repair errors in the DNA. Things uh, we think about uh, diseases like cystic fibrosis that are caused by mutations. There's a potential here to use that to help um, correct those errors in the DNA and correct those cells. So that RNA-mediated DNA repair is a new field of research that we can explore to help reverse some of the effects of the curse that we see in the world all around us. But interestingly, these things uh, can actually cause lots of uh, trouble in unhealthy cells like cancers. So uh, a very interesting field to continue to study here. Next story takes us backward to something we looked at about a year ago here on the news. An ancient creature thought to be a teeny dinosaur turns out to be a lizard. So what happened here is we found this uh, little critter trapped inside of some amber, and you recall covering this on the news about yeah, a year ago. Yeah, we talked ago. about mm -hmm. the skull that they found, because they were trying to claim that it, you know, it had this very bird-like rounded skull, but it did have these teeth, and they were trying to say that it was probably you know, some type of maybe dinosaur, because they're always trying to push that narrative that, you know, that birds are just, you know, dinosaurs basically and evolved from dinosaurs, and so they were trying to make that connection there. But sure enough, they found more evidence, yes. <laughs> found a similar species right in amber, and discovered that, lo and behold, it is nothing yeah. more than So with, with this first sample, all yeah. they had, the first specimen was just the head and part of the neck, and with the second one that they found, they actually found part of the, the limbs behind uh, the shoulders, and so we have these two pieces of evidence, and it's amazing how these scientists wanted to say, hey, we found a dinosaur. Look, it's the tiniest dinosaur ever discovered, because what does that do for you as a researcher? It gives you notoriety. Maybe and, more funding. Yeah, more funding for these things. So there's actually incentive inside of the system to corrupt these things. No, they're perfectly neutral. <laughs> so they're never they influenced by that. They have a so white lab coat, so they're... Uh, 
but now they'll say, oh, well, but see, science corrected itself. Right. But how much benefit did these people get from those things already? And so trying to understand all these pieces uh, brings up some ethical issues and all types of ideas we think about research. So imagine that. We found more research, we, more, more information, we researched it more, we came to different conclusions. Uh, looking at the original paper here and the way that they diagrammed some of these things and the different bones and uh, the way that the scales were connecting the skin, because amber preserves things very well. Uh, it's a fascinating study to see the amount of detail that we have preserved from these creatures. Uh, and again, just more confirmation that we aren't expecting from a biblical perspective to find these dinosaurs changing into birds and lizards changing into dinosaurs because they're not even the same type of critter. Yeah, Roger, you mentioned lizard and dinosaur. A lot of times people think that dinosaurs are just large lizards. Well, there were some small dinosaurs, but they're, they're sure. different types of creatures. Lizards and dinosaurs are different. Generally, yeah, lizards would have... Oh, Is it critters or creatures? Because I say critters, you're saying creatures. Well, did God, were they created or not? <laughs> yes, they were. Okay. I guess that's so my corrupt. I'm going to go with creatures. <laughs> Either one's fine. <laughs> Depending on the part of the country you're from, yeah. how so, you say it. Yeah, so that, that is a common misconception. Dinosaurs weren't just giant lizards. Uh, right. They're a different type of different type of. Critter. But there's this whole now unknown group of lizards. Now mm -hmm. that they've identified it correctly, that you know, and they're probably an extinct species that now we can study and maybe learn more about. So it, it sort of reminds me, um, Roger, that the Pachycetus, where originally they had just a little tiny fragment of like lower yeah, jawbone and a little bit of an inner ear, yeah. and then they said, oh, there's like an early mammal going back into the water to become like a whale, and yeah. then we eventually found more the limbs and everything else. And, oh yeah, this is a land animal, just. You know, yep. it's the same so sort what of was, thing. What was the walking whale of Pakistan, Pachycetus, turned into Just a, a walking animal. land mammal, and uh, as more evidence came out, so we can we can be reminded that we interpret evidence. Facts don't speak for themselves. We're always interpreting those things. All right, here we have uh, an interesting story that comes from Fox News. CBS anchor excuses Walgreens shoplifter in viral video. You're getting probably something you need when you're stealing from Walgreens. So I'm going to play the video here. There's no sound with this, but you can see uh, as this plays, there's a, a shoplifting event going on here. You can see the security guard and another person recording this. So this man basically rode in, pretty Ro bold. Rode his bicycle right in down the, yeah, right down the aisleway, loads it up as you can see in his bag, and then just gets on the bike and rides whole, back whole in. Whole garbage bag. A whole Not garbage even like a bag. backpack, just bring a big old garbage sack. <laughs> yeah, and I know a lot of times people will look at that and say, what, what's the security guard doing? Why isn't he acting? Because nowadays in a lot of these places, the security guards are told not to intervene. All you do is document, you record, you, you pay attention to what's going on, you, but you cannot intervene. You can't, especially for just these material belongings, don't put somebody's life on the line or their, the other person's life on the line. And uh, so Which the security- Which makes sense, right? A human life has far more value in many ways hair than, right, than hair products. It, it, yeah. it does, but, but at what point do you draw called, the line? Right, when do yeah. you call the police? Like, I, so I kept, they're, they're sitting here videoing the guy, but has someone actually well, contacted authorities? I, I, we don't the know. The police have so. been defunded, so we can't Well, that's true, right. They're not <laughs> valuable partners. <laughs> right. in the, in and at what point of material belongings do you step right. in to stop? If somebody comes into your house and they're grabbing all of your stuff, are you allowed to physically stop them? And we can look to the Bible for answers for that. So here in this situation, we have people who are making up arbitrary rules based on what they feel and think. If we look to scripture, we can see that there are, uh, there are remedies for those types of things inside of the examples that are given inside the Mosaic Law. We can understand those things as expressions of God's character and apply them today in different ways. And all of those things, if we have an ultimate standard for what is theft, why is theft wrong? 
All of those things are important aspects to identify, but we've got to have an absolute truth to base it on, or every man does what's right in his own eyes. I mean, yeah, the Bible's no, clear. I was going to say that you're not supposed to steal. The Bible's clear. It says, go to work, and then you can share with your neighbor. Ephesians 4.28 says that, you know, that we definitely should not just be taking things that aren't ours, but that we work so that we can then save and then share with those that are needy or who are in a situation where they are desperate for items yeah, like this. And they didn't get to hear the audio, so it wasn't like okay. all four of the people standing around, you know, at the desk saying, oh yeah, look at this, this is fine. There were three of them were saying, this is wrong, something should be happening here. And then one person said, well, probably not getting something for yourself, or maybe it's a really desperate situation, you're not going to get rich off of this kind of thing. But So let's flip that on the guy who made the comment. Yeah. You're probably not getting rich off of this. If this person broke into your home, and they were taking items from your home, maybe they're just taking the hair care products out of your... Well, I don't have that many. Uh, sorry, sorry. One, one bottle of Let's shampoo lasts a couple years for me. <laughs> not stealing it from Tim. So if they're taking some pro something out of your home, they're probably not going to get rich off this. Isn't an excuse that person's going to accept when it's his property. So there's a double standard created. Now we should be um, we should be moved to compassion in cases where people are feel like they're forced to steal to feed their families and those types of things. But let's don't do one wrong uh, to correct another. Uh, let's think about this from a biblical perspective and let's support them with compassion and benevolence and, and love them and care for them that way. All right, our next article, uh, we have a shark mystery millions of years in the making. So right from the get-go here, we've got some evolutionary assumptions built into this. So the basic principle here is that these uh, these scientists were studying the remains of sharks in the fossil record, not by looking for their whole skeletons, because these skeletons of sharks are made out of cartilage and they're rarely preserved. But what we do find a lot of are the dermal scales, that rough skin uh, that's on the shark, and the teeth. Those are found accumulated. And so they're estimating, they were trying to do a biosurvey through all the, these different layers of sediment in the oceans, to see what the population of sharks was at different periods of time. And they found that there were these periods of die-off that coordinated with certain uh, episodes that they suppose happened in Earth history like 66 million years ago when the asteroid strikes and wipes out everything. And all of these different pieces are uh, put together, but then they hit this 19 million year age of rock as they suppose and there was an issue. They found a whole bunch of shark teeth and the dermal scales and other things, and they thought, wow, why is there such a huge die-off here at 19 million years ago uh, compared to other times? And, and they're not quite sure what would have caused that. No, they said there was no climate like emergency or calamity that they could associate with this particular time frame uh, in evolutionary history. But we would theorize right, that it was probably could be, you know, related to post-Ice Age, we would say, and a result of what was going on you know, yeah, so it's something that is, at that time. We would say it's something that is post-flood, mm -hmm. and uh, so what major mm -hmm. event could have caused something like that? Perhaps it's the post-flood Ice Age that would be, uh, that would be caused by the, the global flood, uh, which we believe took place, you know, not too long after the flood. Uh, it would have caused quite a few problems for yeah. some creatures on Earth, on the land and also some creatures in the water. So maybe it was for that, from all that. All the, the high temperatures and the turbid, turbidity, the cloudiness of the water, all those things could have contributed to these types of things. So here's another question. Uh, some of you young budding scientists out there, maybe this is a, a mystery that you could help us understand someday as you, as you dig into these ideas from a biblical perspective. Now here's a story that kind of hits home for me. Uh, a widely studied lab plant has revealed a previously unknown organ. 
This is the Arapidopsis thaliana, and this is a plant that's used in research, and if you've been in a college botany or biology class, good chances are you've worked with this plant because we have modified versions of this, different cultivars of it that can basically go through a cycle, a whole life cycle in about 14 days. So it's very easy to study and research and uh, it's pretty simple to grow in the lab. It doesn't get very tall. Uh, I worked with this in college doing studies with salt concentration in soils, uh, thinking about roadside uh, plant growth and those types of things. And what we found with this plant is there's an entirely new structure, a new organ that's growing in this plant. And the most shocking thing is this is a plant that probably thousands of scientists are working with every single day over and over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, here's something new that we found. Yeah, they said this is a result of 12 years of experiments just in this one particular lab up in Penn State, uh, where they all of a sudden saw this almost like an extra, you can see it in the picture here, uh, what they're considering to be called like a new organ of the plant, and they're not even sure what it's actually its function is right now. Yeah, it was a little interesting to me that in the article they didn't really say a new thing because evolution it somehow developed this, which that was kind of refreshing. Usually that's the angle you would get on almost every one of these articles, but um, it's, to, to me it's another reminder that the more you study things, the, the more you learn about them. Even something that has been looked at millions of times, uh, they still have not gotten to the bottom of it. But they yeah. did figure out it was directly connected to their growing. Yeah, so when a plant grows, it's going to go through a different phases and there are different uh, biochemical cues and other cues from the environment that tell it when it should do things like grow a longer stalk and make some flowers and produce the seeds, all these things. Uh, it, they're loading signals and stockpiling signals that are given from the plant. And basically, if we interrupt those, let's say we're, we're growing this plant in the lab and all of a sudden the light gets left off for three days and the plant's growth cycle kind of gets interrupted. It says, oh no, what do I do? I need some cues to know what to do. Uh, should I grow some flowers? Should I hold off on that? What am I gonna do? And lots of plants and animals do these types of things. Amazingly, uh, lots of marsupials can pause their pregnancies when uh, these types of signals are there from the environment. And they, oh, there's a drought. I'm gonna pause my pregnancy. Any of you ladies ever try that? <laughs> it, they just keep coming for us. but but God's given marsupials that ability. So as we study these plants like this and we see the different mechanisms as God's given these themes to the uh, adaptation in different environments, we can see how the ingenuity, the design, all of those things are just amazing for us. God's put this stuff in here and we study this every day and we're just figuring it out now. So exactly how this organ works and what it does and what the function of it is, is still a bit of a mystery. And this kind of hits uh, close for home for me as well because um, I used to teach biology and Tim's got something to tell you about here because if I do it, it's self-promotion. Well, but then you would be <laughs> the best person to tell people about it. So uh, Roger put this book together several years ago. In fact, I used to use this when I was teaching. It's called Evolution Exposed and it has to do with uh, biology textbooks. It was at the top four biology textbooks being used at that time and it went through and, and uh, was highlighting what you might call lies in the textbooks or things that are just factually inaccurate in the textbook and showing from these major publishers and these and that are being used in schools around the country and around the world, uh, things that just are not accurate and giving a proper biblical perspective on those things. It's not just saying, 
here's where creationists disagree with evolutionists. Here are things that are just factually not true that are being shown in your, in your textbooks to, to push evolution. So Roger did a great job on that. And I'll even promote the other one. There's another book just like this for earth science textbooks. So. And he has a unique perspective because you were an evolutionist. And yeah. You've taught evolution mm -hmm. you know, in I your science classrooms. I right? So you have that, that, that perspective, perspective of both sides and, and coming to the realization and yeah. being able to present that from that viewpoint, I think, is unique. So. Yeah, so even though um, that's not something I would have chosen <laughs> looking back now, but God used that to prepare me to understand those things from the, from the other perspective so that when I understood the truth of Scripture, I could then help explain those things better. So yeah. I joke that that was my penance for teaching evolution <laughs> for all those. Well, things. you did a good job. And I think to summarize what Roger was talking about with this plant, he talked about how it gets so much more interesting the more it grows. So the more you grow, the more interesting you are, I think is what you were saying, right? Mm -hmm. So the taller you are, the more yeah. interesting. <laughs> He's just saying that because he's three inches taller than me. So, all right, one last article we've got here. Black studies professor says, Queen is the symbol of white supremacy. University employing him is racist. Now this is a, as you can see in the screen here, the uh, professor on the right, he is of Jamaican descent, uh, dark skinned, and he talks about how the uh, British empire and the colonialist history of that empire carries even over today. And the controversy that's being sparked here, and he's been at the center of multiple controversies over the last couple of years, but there's a portrait of the queen inside of a college uh, at Oxford that is, has been removed by the students because she's the symbol of white supremacy there in England. So and I think what's fascinating about this is this particular professor, they actually created a whole new course for him that was called Black Studies. I think, you know, they really, you know, I would say catered some to what he feels is his expertise, and now he has just come out basically against the university, largely fueled by the political agenda we see right now in critical race theory and all those things. Uh, but it is just kind of ironic uh, that he was doing that. Yeah, it's pretty sad when you have a worldview that the number one thing you look for is just the color of a person's skin. And that's what people in the critical race theory movement, that's what this person is doing. In fact, he's got a book on his shelf that you can see behind him in, in the video called Race First. And that is really what yeah. he's all about. Um, and he, he will spin things in order to make it look as bad as possible. Um, he, he would look at somebody like me who does not have the uh, the same darkness of skin melanin, tone, your, the your same melanin, melanin content is a little lower than yeah, his. Yeah, that I must really be racist, I must be an oppressor just because of that. Yeah, uh, and when we think about those ideas, that's anti-biblical, and as we core down into those things, it's anti-gospel. Because if we are all truly created as one human race in Adam, and we see the different levels of melanin and other uh, skin pigments that we have and our different facial features and hair structures and bone structures, all these different things are simply manifestations of the variety that God put into the human population. And it was primarily expressed at the time of Babel as these people groups spread out and were separated. And it's, it's shameful that people have used these characteristics to promote racist ideas and um, show power over other people and oppress them. But that doesn't mean just because I have a certain color of skin that I am responsible for those sins of the past, nor am I participating in them now. And this whole worldview that's come up around this, uh, the idea of critical race theory, is one that we need to be very aware of. And there are lots of great resources that have come out recently 
uh, from various authors. Uh, Vody Bauckham's recent book, Fault, Fault Lines, Lines yeah. uh, is one. And lots of different uh, perspectives that point us back to that reconciliation in the gospel. So how does that first man Adam and that second man Christ, that last man Christ, connect all those pieces together. Yeah, I think that's, that's so important what you just said because in these movements, there is no reconciliation. There's no goal of reconciling. They say that it's, it's white supremacy is what, the, you know, the queen's a symbol of that. And I'll get to answer your question in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about this for a little bit, how silly this is because he's saying this because the, the British Empire, you know, the sun never set on the British Empire. That was the whole, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago. Uh, and so he sees this all as white supremacy. So when the, the English were battling the French for 100 years, is that about skin color? I don't think so. Because they said, we're, we're whiter than you or vice versa. Or, I mean, it had nothing to do with skin color. Okay? And yet everything in this worldview, everything gets filtered through that. And they don't take into consideration the other things that are actually taking place well, in the, the world at that time. That's the core of CRT is that everything's racist. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. It's going to be racist. There's some oppressor. No matter what um, angle it is. Right. It doesn't matter. Everything is racist and you can't excuse your way out Right. Of so in this case, so if, you're, if, if, there, were, if there happened to be a, an African nation that um, expanded and conquered another nation, which that has happened. Mm -hmm. And they, the it's people It's happening who, right now. It's happening right now. And so the, let's say that the, the uh, president or the prime minister or the king, whatever they might have for a government, if he's dark skinned, does that mean that he is a symbol of black supremacy? You'd have to conclude that logically, but that's not what's gonna come out of these, exactly. these academic papers. Or when you have China and, can I say Taiwan? Can I say that that's a nation? I know that NBA players aren't allowed to do that, but can I say that? Yeah. Um, that are, is that pushing Chinese supremacy or you know, Asian supremacy, whatever? It's just silly, okay? Not everything goes back to the color of a person's skin. Uh, but to answer Roger's question, the, we all have the same problem. Every single one of us is sinful. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. We all are sinful. We all have rebelled against our creator. And we all deserve his wrath and his judgment. We all deserve to be separated from him eternally in the lake of fire. And yet, um, the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus Christ came and he became one of us. And then he lived a sinless life and he became our sacrifice. He died in our place on the cross so that those who believe in him can have eternal life, can be forgiven of their sins, and have be righteous, have Christ's righteousness put on our account so that when God sees us, we're blameless, we're holy, we're perfect, and we can dwell with him eternally in a place where there is no, no more racism, no more sin, no more any of these problems that we see in our, in our world. Um, and then, I don't want to leave out that three days later, God raised him from the dead, showing his power over sin and death. And, and in the, the future, of, yeah. that that restoration, that reconciliation will include people of every tribe and tongue and nation Amen. around the throne worshiping the Lamb. And it's and not based on their skin yes, color. It's, it's not. It's based on Christ's righteousness. Right. And, and we have a great series on our Answers TV. And we highly recommend our streaming platform. It's only $39 a year. And we have our One Race, One Blood conference, uh, which is on there with uh, Vody Bachman was actually in that particular conference. Also, all other fabulous speakers, Dr. Charles Ware, I believe, was involved in that as well. So if you're looking for biblical answers and ways to talk about this issue of racism, that is an excellent resource. And we also have books yeah. as well. The curriculum uh, to go along with that if you yeah. want to deal with these issues inside of your church or Bible study groups. Mm -hmm. But in all of this, our hope is not in some, uh, some worldly wisdom. It's in Christ and what he's done for us. That's where we look for reconciliation and all these things. 
whether it's dealing with the age of the earth, whether it's dealing with social issues and sexuality, whether it's dealing with scientific stuff, uh, all of these things, we can look back to scripture and be reminded that it's God's truth that we can trust in. And didn't Jesus tell us to love one another, love your neighbor as yourself, to love your enemy? Is there any room in Christianity for racism, for, for hating people because no. of the way they look? No, absolutely not. Because what I just mentioned, one another, neighbor and enemy, that covers everybody. So that's who we're commanded to love, not just people who look like us or who we might be comfortable around. It's, we are to love everyone. That's who, what we're commanded to do. Absolutely. All right, we thank you for joining us. That's all we've got for you today, and we will look forward to seeing you back on Monday. God bless.